is KGMI Connects with Joe Tian, a live local show about our community and you on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Well, good Thursday afternoon. It is our open lines talk show here on KGMI. KGMI Connects, our phone number 360-676-5464. And our focus on the general election on the November election continues. Decision 2023, I guess we'll call it. Really original there. (laughs) But uh, today we're joined by Mayor Seth Fleetwood, the mayor of Bellingham, uh, running for an election to a a second term. And uh, yesterday we heard from his challenger, Kim Lund. And uh, well, Mayor Seth, great to have you here in the studio. Pleasure pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. And uh, so you're welcome to call if you have comments or questions, uh, issues you want to discuss with the mayor. He's more than willing and eager to take your calls, aren't you? Indeed I am. Okay. All right. And and lots to discuss for sure. And um, so once again, our phone number 360-676-5464 here at KGMI Connects. And uh, well, for for folks who aren't as familiar with you as others may be, uh, tell us about yourself. Certainly. Well, first off, I just have to observe there's two weeks, five days, and four hours to go. (laughs) But but who's counting? Exactly, yeah. This has just been a marathon. Seems like it's been going on for about eight months. Uh Uh-huh. I bet. Um, Well, yeah, and you had the the primary, and uh, sure. Yeah. Well, you've served now as mayor for one term. You've also served on the city council, the county council. And, I have. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been. Are you getting a little feedback? I am. Um, I don't know if it's my ear, my headphones or what, but uh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I've been involved in. Uh, Pull your mic up a little bit closer. I think maybe that's. Uh, Is that, that the trick? That's probably the trick, yeah. How's that? That's, be- that's better. Good. That'll be better. Yeah, born and raised in Bellingham, uh, born at the old St. Luke's Hospital back in 1962 uh, on Chestnut, and uh, grew up in Bellingham. First couple of years of life was up on top of Alabama Hill, when everything on the north side of Alabama was just forest. And behind our house on Crestline, it was forest all the way down to the lake. Wow. So things have seen a lot of changes in Bellingham. Absolutely. Uh, And then... uh, Lived in the 60s. In uh, We moved to Indian Street, which is now Billy Frank Jr., and then moved to uh, the South Side and uh, went to Lowell School in Fairhaven and Seaholm. And, uh, yeah, moved away for about 10 years and then came back. And I've been involved in the community since, gosh, 30 years ago, 1993. You're a lawyer by trade, right? I am, yeah. I had a... Had an office in Fairhaven above Tony's Coffee for about 25 years. And uh, when I won the mayor's um, seat several years ago, I closed down my practice because, of course, this is uh, more than a full-time job. What made you decide to, well, first, I I guess first you were on the county council, were you not? I won a seat on the county council in 2001. And I served uh, a couple terms there. And then in 2009, I uh, ran for a seat on the Bellingham City Council. And I did a couple of terms uh, there. And then uh, I was out of elected office for uh, several years. And when the open seat um, was happening upon the retirement of former Mayor Kelly Linville, I chose uh, chose to run. So obviously you're uh, you're not chasing the almighty dollar and <laughs> being, being a lawyer, uh, but then first the county council, which uh, uh, you know doesn't pay a whole heck of a lot, and no, none it, of these positions really no. do. I mean, compared to what you could make as a lawyer, well, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> I had a dad who was always emphasizing that uh, doing doing good works is more important than than making money, and. Um, I think he modeled just community-mindedness. He was very active in the community. Um, we were good friends with um, former Senator Barney Goltz, dearly departed, who served Whatcom County for many, many years. Um, he was a planner at Western Washington University, and uh, when I was 
pretty much from the time I was born, we were close friends. My dad was a professor at Western, and we were friends with the Goltzes, and I just grew up, uh, spent every 4th of July and every Thanksgiving at the Goltzes' house and listening to the adults talk about politics. So somewhere in all of that, I think it just got in my veins, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. What now you've been, uh, what, uh, your first term, just, uh, just uh, wrapping up almost, but, uh, what I guess stands out in your mind, uh, more than any other incident or, uh, issue or whatever happened during the, during your first term? Well, of course the, the pandemic and all of the social dynamics that seem to fall, uh, sort of pursuant to that. I remember when I, it almost sounds quaint in retrospect, but I remember when I was running in 2019, when we didn't know anything about this COVID thing, um, I thought the most contentious issue that I was going to face in my term was sort of neighborhood disputes around the question of increasing housing density. Um, And I figured that sort of helping to negotiate that would be the primary thing, because as we know, we need to find a way to accommodate uh, hundreds more units annually, and there are many people that want to see us do that um, by increasing density in the single-family neighborhoods. And then there's those that are opposed to it. And the I thought that would be the primary thing. And pretty much from the moment I started, there was this uh, looming specter of a pandemic. Remember in January, and people were like, "You think it's going to get bad?" Oh, mm-hmm. and back and forth. So. Per- the first half of my term, of course, was very much in emergency response. There was the um, shelter-in-place order from the governor, um, having to retool um, through great organizational effort at the city all of the um, just sort of internal work um, plans because suddenly we had to increase the number of sort of uh, new computers and whatnot so that people could engage in remote work. Um, retool all of the scheduling patterns for the various departments uh, and all the divisions. That was complicated and challenging. And then, of course, when George Floyd was murdered in the uh, late spring of that year, there was all the racial justice protests that we saw in Bellingham, um, social justice protests. Then the defund police protests in the fall, the homeless encampment protests the winter, uh, there was just one, seemingly one uh, challenge after another. And uh, so we're very much in sort of crisis response mode, uh, which typified, I think, the first half of my tenure. It's mellowed out a bit since, but we're left with um, a number of challenging social conditions that exist, increased number of people that are homeless, uh, problems with mental health, increased crime and theft, primarily for people serving their addiction. Uh, the fentanyl spike that has happened and the response to it, all those things have been um, challenging. And so they've overrun uh, our sort of our capacity and our various systems of care. And we've been, uh, and then in the context of all of this, staffing shortages in organizations everywhere, private and public, but we felt them in the city of Bellingham. So just responding to a lot of these challenges has been the sort of the primary thing and working to find resources to address them, which we're doing, and I'm proud of the work that we do. But that's sort of I, just to typify the, the tenure that I've had and my term, um, those things come to mind. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, – and we, we will get to calls for sure, so uh, we want you to uh, feel free to give us a ring, 360-676-5464. Speak with Mayor Seth Fleetwood um, about the response to the pandemic. Um, you know what? It, overall, what? H- how do you feel that you did? And what? You know, there, there's been a lot of criticism, obviously, about uh, you know, uh, vaccination mandates and right. uh, that sort of thing, uh, work shutdowns. Um, but what is your overall feeling about the the response? Well, the first observation, of course, is that um, myself and those of us at the city didn't create the condition that uh, was sort of overran everything. Um, but I did have the duty of responding to it. And there was 
just take the example of the the protests. So there was a protest every single week. In fact, uh, on more than one occasion, they marched to my house. Uh, yeah, I re- yeah which, remember that. Right. Uh, the the young protesters were, to a large degree, copying things that were happening nationwide. I remember reading a story about a march on the mayor of Seattle's house a couple months before they marched to my house, and that's when I really got all my sort of... Uh, I suppose it was anger and fear and a whole variety of things out um, because I knew it was just a matter of time before they were going to march to my place. And they did. By the time they did, September 4th, 2020, um, I was sort of ready and braced for it. The little 17th Street saw this group of people marching up the street, never seen anything like it. Um, Neighbors were out with their eyes just like, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Lots of, um, the, the question was fundamentally during that time, how do we respond? And it was something that the, the left was um, wanting restraint and fundamentally sort of conveying sympathy for the, the plight of the marginalized and um, the right uh, who was seeing what they perceived as lawlessness, was wanting me to direct the police to go in and crack down. And I was having to manage um, very divergent points of view on how we should respond. Um, the approach I took fundamentally, and I got um, some criticism for it, but I think fundamentally it worked, and that was, as it relates to sort of the police response to the protest, was to show restraint. Um, I think a lot of the protesters, especially the most of the protesters, were peaceable. But there's always a small component that left and tore the flags down and spray-painted um, nasty words, um, et cetera. And they wanted the police to come in because they wanted to video it and they wanted the optic of showing intervention and then they would misrepresent what it was and they'd uh, post things on social media, et cetera. So our general position during those times when there was a protest every week felt was to show restraint. And I think fundamentally it worked. We'd have our facilities crew go in and scrape off the paint um, and put up another flag um, and they didn't get the optic and the protests sort of de-escalated as time passed. So that's one example where I thought it was the right approach. Um, What about the vaccine mandate? uh, For for city workers specifically. Right. So that came about in the late summer of 2021. Um, we hadn't yet gotten the um, vaccines. Um, we were sort of into the, I guess, a year and a half into the pandemic. Uh, we all had hope that uh, it was going to go away by some means. And you, some of us might remember, but in the early summer of 2021, the sort of existing variant seemed to be subsiding. And then the Delta variant showed up in the middle of that summer and just took off. And it was way more contagious. And uh, the primary reason that we took all of the actions we took was to reduce um, demand on our um, intensive care units at the hospital. Uh, Because we know if they were overrun, then people would die. And what happened in August and September of 2021 with the Delta variant, we saw it spike again and started going up and up and up. And our emergency room and the ICU units were filling up. Um, And over 95% of the people that were in there at that time were unvaccinated. So I've always believed that, and I'm not going to get so cynical that I lose trust in our institutions. I think they're the bedrock and the foundation of American democracy. And so when the Centers for Disease Control and the Federal Drug Administration said that they are safe and effective and offered recommendations that's the most effective way to tamp down on the pandemic, I took that seriously. Um, I remembered when I was growing up, uh, we had vaccination requirements and it wasn't politicized. Everyone did it, you'd show up, uh, and it fundamentally worked. So. I struggled over the question, I will confess. Um, 
but I ended up deciding that it was an appropriate thing. It wasn't an easy decision. You need to remember that uh, I would submit that certainly a majority of people at the city, the workers, um, wanted it. They didn't want to be in a cubicle next to somebody who's unvaccinated. So it wasn't as if it was, I was just hearing from one side. I was getting pressure from both sides. Um, and I made the decision that um, vaccination should be a condition of employment. And uh, that was the decision that I made. And I get asked frequently now, um, would, I, would I change it? And uh, I, I don't think I would. Um, I don't think I would. I think it was an appropriate emergency response, and um, I think that if we had uh, had vaccinations across the board, um, lives would have been saved, and I think we would have tamped down on the pandemic uh, sooner than we did. All right, Mayor Seth Fleetwood is our guest here in the studio, and we will take your calls. Well, there's so many th- things to talk about, uh, crime. Uh, homelessness uh, and 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 other issues facing our city. It's not all crime and all, all that stuff, but uh, you know, your calls are and questions and comments are welcome. Three six zero six seven six five four six four. We'll be back in just a moment here on KG Mike and X. Can I help you? Is this the rain dropping clinic? Yeah, our lit sign must have shorted out from all this rain. Sorry. How can I help? Well. Yeah, it is this rain that's brought me in today. Is there a rain-related problem we can help you with? Yeah. What are your recommendations for driving on the highway at night in the rain? We discourage it, especially at night. Ever heard of spectacular reflection? No. Is that a thing? Yeah. The wet road becomes like a mirror. That's spectacular reflection. Also, your eyes are dilated, letting in more light. Your windshield might be fogging, wipers bad, tires balding, and all this at highway speed. Huh. Wow, what do you recommend? Take Bel Air Airport or Shuttle. A bus is much safer, and your driver is uniquely qualified to handle rain. Take a break from the hazards of driving to SeaTac Airport. With multiple daily round trips, you'll save on fuel, parking, and avoid stressful driving on wet highways. Book today at airporter.com. That's airporter.com. Have you found PNW Perks yet? You're gonna want to, cause these deals are for real. PNW Perks, your fast track to incredible deals from the best businesses in Northwest Washington. New deals go live every Thursday at 8 a.m. One new deal every week. Sorry, if you're hearing this, it means this week's deal is now sold out. But you can go to pmwperks.com right now to preview our next fabulous offer. All weekly deals are half off. Adulting can be hard, so let Cascade Radio Group save you money. Want to go to a favorite local restaurant? How about being able to buy a $50 gift certificate for just $25? You can with PNW Perks. New dining deals, deals on experiences, and other incredible offers go live every Thursday at 8 a.m. from the best businesses in Northwest Washington. Deals are limited and go fast. This week's deal is now sold out. Go to this station's website or check out pmwperks.com for a preview of what you'll save next week. pmwperks.com, a Cascade Radio Group presentation. A door is only as secure as the lock you put on it. Accurate Lock and Security is the professional team you need. Buying a new door? Consult with the team at Accurate Lock to ensure you have appropriate hardware. Buying a new home? Be sure you have your locks rekeyed. You never know how many copies of your keys are out there. Accurate Lock and Security, your full-service locksmith center, serving Northwest Washington for over 90 years. Certified, experienced, and dedicated to keeping you safe. Learn more online at accuratelock.net. That's accuratelock.net. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. Thanks for joining us here on KGMI Connects, and uh, we continue our focus on the November election. And our guest here in the studio is Bellingham Mayor Seth Fleetwood, running for a second term. And uh, your calls and questions are welcome, and... uh, Joined now by Michelle here in Bellingham. Hi, Michelle. You're on with the, the mayor. Hi, Joe. Um, Seth, the nicest thing I can say about you is that I dearly wish you had been our governor the last four years instead of our mayor. So <laughs> I have generally fine things to say about your approach. I know you've had tremendous challenges, unlike any mayor in Bellingham's ever faced, and I was a close friend of your predecessor, Kelly Linville, still am, and before I ask you a question, I just want to say that I'm a regular contributor to the show. 
known as Lady Law, and uh, or that wasn't my nickname, but people gave it to me. And I uh, am very, very emphatic. The um, most of the population in Bellingham uh, knows me pretty well. They, uh, most people like me. The woke mob hates me, and uh, that's fine with me because I don't like them either. Um, what I, the question I have is, by far the most important challenge facing Bellingham is public safety, and by that I mean crime, drug addiction, mental illness, and of course, my opinion, most homeless people are either. Uh, addicted or mentally ill, otherwise they probably wouldn't be homeless. I know you have a challenge in homes, too. So the question I have is, what do you intend to do about one of the worst problems I've ever seen in Bellingham, which is the horrendous situation behind uh, Walmart and plaguing the Tollwood uh, Tollwood apartment homes, uh, you know, on the right side entrance to Walmart? What do you have to? What do you have to say about that? And in general, your approach to uh, solving the problem of public safety. Thank you, Seth. Thank you for that question. It's a good question. I think it's the primary question that's on people's minds um, right now. Um, I was at an event earlier today at the senior center, and pretty much everybody was talking about public safety mm-hmm. and uh, the homeless crisis, something that's um, afflicting larger cities across the nation. I was at a conference not long ago with other mayors, and uh, it was surprising to see the commonality of experience. Everyone nationwide were talking about um, these various issues, affordability, homelessness, the fentanyl crisis, how to respond to the mental health crisis, et cetera. Um, So specifically as it relates to the Walmart encampment that's gotten considerable amount of um, press and social media um, coverage recently. The city, we learned a lot. First off, I would just observe that um, we've had encampments in our community for decades and uh, on private property and sometimes on public property. More often than not, it's on private property. It's complaint-based, so um, the approach is a owner will indicate that they want to have people trespassed, our police department will formally go through a process of issuing a trespass notice, and then if they continue to remain, we can go in and we can um, arrest them for criminal trespass. Um, this particular encampment has been here for, for years and years, and it has grown recently. It's a large encampment. Uh, the one that we did an operation on and cleared before that recently was the site behind Winco, and it was much smaller. And we convened um, the interdisciplinary group of people at the city with involvement on this and relevance on this issue, um, people in our public works department, uh, planning department, police department, legal department, because there's a lot of angles to it. Um, that one was on private property where the 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 property owner hadn't taken any action according right. to the city. Yeah. So by law, the individual property owner is responsible for those cleanups. So in that particular instance, where no action was being taken, uh, we threatened filing a public nuisance suit, and we're reviewing the question of whether to do that with Walmart as well. Uh, again, it's a larger site, and there's other. There's not just one property owner. There's one particularly large property owner at that place. But in that instance, uh, we got the owner's attention. We negotiated um, a, a resolution by which it would get cleaned out. We worked with our, um, a number of our social service providers to have them go in and try to sort of weed out the people that would voluntarily leave and take services. We worked with our tribal partners who had a number of their members present. Um, so we're fundamentally approaching this one the same way, but it's different. Uh, the primary owner lives in Taiwan and has been completely unresponsive to our efforts at contacting them. Um, interestingly enough, just the other day, there was a, a bust out there by a, I haven't even been fully briefed on the details of it, but it was a big police op- operation at the Walmart site. Uh-huh. And I think we'll be hearing um, there'll be press releases issued 
as it relates to the details there uh, soon. But so we've convened a team, a work group to discuss the Walmart um, issue, Michelle, and um, we're, we're getting evidence um, and looking at the options that we have legally to intervene. Um, legal action doesn't result in immediate uh, action. Basically, you get a under a scenario where you file a public nuisance suit, you get a judge to sign a warrant of abatement, and you're authorized to go in and clear the camp. A lot of people, social media, are saying, why don't you just get in there and clear the camp? Um, aside from just the resource issues that are required to even do that, the problem that we find from experience is that you can go and, quote, clear the camp, they come back. Uh, so you might clear it for a period of time. So we're looking at sort of a multifaceted approach that is going to involve uh, a number of our partners and ultimately will involve going in there, doing the best we can to convince the people that are mentally ill or drug addicted to come out and go to their various jurisdictions and and receive help and sort of weed out and thin it, uh, if you will. Um, and uh, ultimately do some kind of action where we would um, go in with police, that's an option, and clear it to the degree we can. We're challenged because we have booking restrictions at the jail, and we don't have sufficient um, facilities for mental illness illness in those people that are, are drug addicted. So there's a lot of challenging components to addressing these problems, and we're sort of looking at a multi-pronged approach to it. Well, what the people at the Tullwood Apartments are needing and wanting and that we're wanting to help them with are short-term actions. So I think the drug bust that occurred the other day is going to be a help. We're looking at whether we can help them with fencing, um, looking at whether or not we can identify some um, emphasis patrols and have people that are on patrol. One of the challenges we've had with uh, reduced staffing at our police department uh, and I will happily say that we're staffing up uh, at a quicker rate than we'd anticipated only a year ago through some creative recruitment and retention efforts. Um, happy to say we've got 16 um, uh, new people in the police academy right now, so that's going to be, we'll see them coming on board uh, next year, but staffing up. But because of the staffing shortages, we've only been able to put our primary resources to investigation and patrol. Uh, and so identifying a way to have more police presence there for those that are on patrol is one option that we're looking at. So we're fully engaged in, in that, that operation and, and trying, to, trying to help. Um, the, the midterm solution, I think, fundamentally, forgive me, I'm giving too long an answer, but I think one solution to the, are we running out of time, Joe? No, uh, um, go ahead. Okay. Finish, finish your thought. I, 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 well, I think a fundamental solution would be to reach an agreement um, on what appropriate intervention looks like for people that are using meth or fentanyl or potentially other drugs, but I'm thinking of those because those are the scourge, reaching an agreement on whether or not it's appropriate to detain a person against their will who's using fentanyl, and it could be under, and, and then amend the, this is just an approach that I think would fundamentally work we have a Civil Involuntary Commitment Act in the state of Washington. It's called RCW 7105. And if there was an agreement that it was appropriate, just as a, seeing a person using fentanyl, to detain those people against them, their will and amend uh, RCW 7105, the Civil Involuntary Commitment Act, to say that seeing someone, witnessing someone using fentanyl is a de facto basis for detaining them and putting them in an involuntary facility where they could get treatment, you would remove a lot of people. Now that requires a number of components. It requires staffing back up with our police. It requires changing some laws at the state level around uh, when you can intervene. And it also requires investing in facilities where you can take these people and address their mental health or their addiction problems. But there are ways to solve these problems and we're working on all of them. I think over time we're going to see improvement and things are going to get better. All right. Our, our guest, Mayor Seth Fleetwood, will take your comments and questions in just a moment. 
And uh, I've got some as well. So we'll be back in just a moment here on KGMI Connects. Now is the time to upgrade your mattress and save big during DeWard & Bodie's 77th anniversary sale. This weekend only, DeWard & Bodie will pay your sales tax on select in-stock mattresses or choose no down payment and no interest financing for up to three full years on qualifying mattresses. DeWard & Bodie stocks Whatcom County's largest inventory of mattresses from Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy. With over 35 mattresses on display at their Meridian Mattress Showroom, you'll find the perfect fit at the perfect price. Plus, pillows, sheets, boxes, and bases are all on sale now. Take in-stock mattresses home with you today or have their delivery professionals deliver, set up, and even haul away and recycle your old mattress. That's why Whatcom, Skagit, and Island County residents shop at DeWard & Bodie. For 77 years, they've had the best prices, best selection, and best service. Shop DeWard & Bodie's 77th anniversary sale at the Bellingham Mattress Showroom on Meridian next to Home Depot. Financing Lacey offer qualification supplies. Your kitchen, the heart of your home, where you gather for conversation and enjoying time with friends and family. Is your kitchen tired, well-loved, in need of an update? Westside Building Supplies' extensive offering from Canyon Creek Cabinet Company can give you the kitchen you've always wanted. The experience and friendly staff is ready to help from design to installation. My wife and I love to entertain and wanted an updated kitchen that met our needs. Shopping for new cabinets can feel overwhelming, and we really appreciate the way Tara listened to our needs, provided great insight, design options, and walked us through the entire process, offered suggestions for efficiency and function, and even emailed us a 3D image of what our new kitchen would look like. The installation was smooth and efficient. We love our new kitchen and would highly recommend Westside to anyone looking for new cabinets. Reimagine your kitchen with Canyon Creek Cabinets from Westside. Stop in today on The Guide in Linden and at westsidebuildingsupply.com. Hi, this is Marcia Neal. You probably know me from Vibrant USA. We are excited to announce we are now Guided Solutions. That's right, we have a new name. We are continuing to offer our same great services and look forward to hearing from you. Are you approaching retirement and need help navigating Medicare? Are you on Medicare and want updates on potential changes for 2024? Our agents are here to help, so give us a call at 866-733-5111. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects, 360-676-5464. That we are, and we'll get to your um, calls here in just a moment. Our guest, uh, Mayor Seth Fleetwood. I wanted to let you know at 6 o'clock, or at 5 o'clock, rather, 6 o'clock, we'll bring uh, bring you another uh, forum from the League of Women Voters uh, that uh, will focus on the race for sheriff here in Whatcom County. That's a forum that's... Uh, already been held and we'll present that to you at six o'clock five o'clock uh, president joe biden uh, will is expected to speak about uh, what's happening in israel and we'll bring you his address to the nation live here on kgmi but right now mayor seth fleetwood is with us and um before we get to calls uh, once again uh mayor fleetwood um well we yeah we and we were talking about homelessness and we hear from a lot of folks well, I, I hear from a lot of folks about this big lift and i I guess that uh, relates to you know small you know these tiny homes and to have more of a focus on that um, uh, what are your thoughts I guess on that and and other ways to address homelessness as uh, you know beyond maybe beyond uh, you know criminal enforcement or, or drug enforcement that sort of thing mm-hmm the big lift is not an idea that was new to me recently because it was an idea that was promoted by a um, homeless activist back at the height of um, the protest at City Hall back in 2020. And um, he was promoting this sort of quad concept, uh, the big lift, where you'd have um, sort of four components at one location. Uh, at that time, there was he was promoting the notion that it 
could be placed at um, that area that now is um, a homeless camp that we've called uh, Garden View on Lakeway at the old Clean Green. Mm-hmm. Um, the view that we had on it is that there were a number of people with expertise in homeless encampments suggest that they shouldn't be more uh, bigger than 25 people. And so at that time, we didn't want to have conjoin them and have an encampment that would have potentially up towards 100 people. So that was very much against the recommendations that were given to me by people with expertise. Um, and so the big lift, as I understand it, uh, is that conception. And if it's different than that in key detail than what I understood it to be several years ago, then certainly open to, to understanding that. But that's sort of the approach. I've gained a considerable uh, experience in the last several years on um, tiny home villages and encampments. We've tripled um, the number of them. Uh, there's broad agreement now that in the continuum of housing, having um, emergency shelter care housing and tiny home encampments on the one side of the spectrum is an important component. Um, and we've invested more um, in recent years towards that with our public dollars. Um, there's still the primary focus on the housing first principle, which is you take your public dollars for subsidized housing, you build units. Um, but there's also broad agreement now that uh, some portion of it can be used for these encampments. So I remain open to the question of um, whether we should expand those. Um, every one of them, you can use different models for them. The Homes Now model is a good one. We've got two in Bellingham right now. They do involve um, conditions by the city and uh, permissions granted by the cities, especially when they're on public property. Um, Finding places is often hard because if there's residential adjacency, oftentimes there's an initial reaction, although there was initial reaction to the two places they're presently at, uh, one at Civic Field and one in Fairhaven at Unity Village. Uh, And the community has largely come to accept them and recognize that they're compatible um, with the neighborhood. So I'm open to consideration of identifying more places where we can put them. Uh, it's a, Oftentimes it's just a resource issue and finding locations. All right, Mayor Seth Fleet with our guest. Now let's go to Steve in Bellingham. Hi, Steve. Hi. Uh, I'd just like to ask a question on, it seems like one of the things we have to recognize with the homeless situation is we're never going to be able to sort it out on the street. And yet we continue to allow this to go on. Why are the panhandling laws not enforced? And would it not be more empathetic to force these people to use the services that the city is claiming to have? Thank you. Okay. Well, it's interesting that he brings that up because just the other day we were doing a, involved in a review with our legal staff looking at the various laws as it relates to loitering and moving people along. Um, I would submit that we have done a better job um, with that in the last couple of years. So when the staffing with police was down, um, there were a lot of con- security issues uh, that were expressed by a lot of downtown merchants around uh, people who were um, just creating conditions on the street that were very unpleasant for people that wanted to come and use businesses. And it was frustrating. So we invested over a million dollars in security um, and an ambassador program. Uh, They're not uniformed police. They don't have the power to detain, but they have been effective on, in some respects, in, in moving people along. We've invested a lot of effort into trying to be responsive um, to the urgent need to respond in a short-term basis to help the businesses downtown and bring people back. I'm very optimistic in the longer term about downtown. The real estate's just too, uh, too valuable, and we're going to um, be investing a lot of money and stimulating growth in downtown. But in the short term, we've got these issues, and he talked about panhandling. A lot of the folks downtown are um, using drugs. 
I'd proposed um, an ordinance to the council that passed about six months ago, making it uh, a misdemeanor to openly use drugs in public and because it was not against the law, believe it or not, because of some state actions mm-hmm. uh, on the topic. And uh, that was another tool that um, allowed the police force to engage. The challenge with the drug use is that because of booking restrictions and because of a lack of facilities to take these people, we're challenged in that respect. So we're working very actively on um, building those facilities, including um, an initiative for consideration of establishing a new jail, uh, which I support. Uh, So these are perplexing issues, um, but we can't just go down and arrest people who are sitting on the streets um, in certain places. Uh, We can move them along, but we can't just go and detain them. And that's the problem. We're trying to restore a coherent uh, justice system. And I won't say just criminal justice system, a system that cares for all people and creates an environment where the people that are drug addicted and homeless have a place that they can go, reaching a broad agreement about when it's appropriate to intervene and um, take people to places where they need help, and at the same time, improving the quality of downtown. Do you think so, that the jail and justice propo- proposition will help in that, in that goal, to reach that goal? I think it will. A two-tenths of 1% sales tax, 20 cents on every $100, it'll bring in $13 million a year. Um, it will go towards building a new humane jail. And uh, the cities, who get 40% of that, and Bellingham is 80% of the, the population of the cities, so we're going to get, uh, I guess that's $4 million annually. And the city of Bellingham has agreed to put um, in the early years um, our money towards a down payment fund so that we can pay down the bond on the new jail and get it down to around $100 million. Uh, And then in the latter years, dedicate up towards uh, $2 million or more towards behavioral health. So we would be able to invest in the facilities that would help people who are either mentally ill or uh, drug addicted and in need of treatment. So I think it's an absolutely appropriate, humane I'm also very confident that it's going to pass this time. And like last times where we had local council in the city of Bellingham opposing it, they're supporting it this time. I work with a group of all the mayors in the county. We're all in support of it. So I think the local leaders in the community are all signaling support for this. I think it's going to pass. All right. Another quick break here on uh, KGMI Connects. Back with uh, Mayor Seth Fleetwood in just a moment. At Puget Sound Energy, we're proudly aspiring to reduce our own emissions to net zero and to go beyond by helping others reduce carbon across Washington. Together, we're investing in local renewables, strengthening the electric grid, helping customers switch to electric vehicles, innovating with low carbon resources, supporting our communities, and saving energy along the way. Together, we're creating a clean energy future. Fall is here, and with it comes tracking in dirt and grime on your carpet. Let the professionals at Swans Clean Care and Restoration get that carpet looking new again. Did you know that Swans brings all of the clean water with them in their own van and then hauls away the dirty water when they leave? They then dispose of it responsibly and in a manner safe for the community and environment. The holidays will be here soon, so schedule your appointment today. For a full list of the services they provide, find them online at swanscarpetcleaning.com. At Carpet Liquidators, the grand opening celebration of our Lacey location continues with huge savings at every location. Save on a huge inventory of all types of name brand flooring, including luxury vinyl plank and waterproof laminate. Come explore the incredible selection and long-lasting design of Karistan Bellalux waterproof wood in stock and ready for immediate installation. So if you're remodeling, don't forget the flooring. Locally owned and operated with seven Western Washington locations and now open in Lacey. 
Hi, this is Marcia Neal. You probably know me from Vibrant USA. We are excited to announce we are now Guided Solutions. That's right, we have a new name. We are continuing to offer our same great services and look forward to hearing from you. Are you approaching retirement and need help navigating Medicare? Are you on Medicare and want updates on potential changes for 2024? Our agents are here to help, so give us a call at 866-733-5111. We're taking your calls live on KGMI Connects. 360-676-5464. Well, our guest is uh, Mayor Seth Fleetwood, and uh, happy to have our our candidates for a couple of uh, high-profile offices here in the studio this week. And uh, tomorrow we'll hear from Dan Purdy, who is challenging for the county executive position. But Mayor Fleetwood, we've talked a lot about crime and homelessness and drug addiction. Um, you know, we haven't talked about many other issues and a lot of other issues, uh, you know, are, are, are important to our, us and our community. Absolutely. Yep. Despite all the challenges, it remains an absolutely remarkable city in so many respects. And it's the reason we continue to be on the top 10 lists you know, all over the place. Well, what what would what's your optimistic uh, view, uh, or what what would be a a, a goal uh, that you'd like to reach in in a second term? I want to continue the important, exciting, inspiring work of building the future city that we need. Um, I'm a a realist when it comes to the reality of growth. Uh, Lots of people, lots of friends of mine uh, who would like to see Bellingham remain just like it was in, you know, 1978. Uh, But the reality is we live in a country, we take it for granted, where our Constitution, our Privileges and Immunity Clause says that you can live in any place that you want. Uh, And the entire foundation of laws require that we accommodate them. Uh, And... In the state of Washington, consistent with that, we have a Growth Management Act that requires, which is a Growth Accommodation Act. So we're going to continue to be a popular place, and people are going to continue to move here. The only question is how we harness that growth, and um, how do we how do we grow, and do we grow in inspired ways that make us actually a more interesting, more culturally interesting, uh, exciting, vibrant city, or not? And so I. I love this work um, of building a, a vibrant, equitable, uh, more socially cohesive, um, more environmentally sustainable um, city. So there's going to be a lot of growth happening in the coming years. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for builders and tradespeople to build that future city, and it's it's exciting. Um, there's a Greenways proposition on the ballot. Um, that there has been, that we've had since 1990. Uh, that's just one example that comes to mind that to me is is very exciting. As the city grows, uh, we've invested over the years in trails and parks. We have a nationally recognized city for trails and parks. People love it. So again, I go back to the observation. Uh, yes, there are problems. Uh, we're addressing them as thoughtfully as we can. To a large degree, they're problems that are faced by my peers in other cities. We're all looking at the creative ways to address them, uh, but there's also a lot that's really positive. Well, well, um, what about, um, and I, I had a thought there for a moment, an issue I wanted to bring up. What about, um, you know, developing or bringing, bringing jobs and industry into, into town, into the waterfront? There's a debate now over uh, uh, a company wants to uh, build a metal or bring a metal shredder. Right. I think that's just outside of the city limits, is it not? The the site there? Well, the, the tenant, um, ABC Recycling, um, is a tenant of the port, and they have an existing lease to operate down there um, on the sort of more industrial side of the, the waterfront. And the same owner, ABC Recycling, has purchased land just outside the city on Marine Drive. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, um, we're addressing that issue from a number of different angles. Um, there are a number of folks in different neighborhoods throughout the community that have been hearing the sound. So that was the initial thing. It was the fact that um, the longshoremen were loading the, the ship 
um, with this scrap metal um, to take to distant port. Uh, and it was going until 3 a.m. They just announced um, the other day that they reached an agreement with the longshoremen and they're going to stop at midnight. Um, and then there's this proposal to bring in a metal shredder um, over in the Birchwood Alderwood neighborhood area. Mm-hmm. And it's got a lot of people concerned. So I think we need to find a way to sort of mitigate the concerns, but also find ways to um, allow the people to do the work. I think there's a solution that can ultimately um, satisfy all in this case. Is uh, water waterfront development, is it on the right track in your mind? I think it fundamentally is. I know there's people with strong views in the community that having this recycling operation is not consistent with that. I was the president of the Bellingham City Council 10 years ago when after years and years of effort, we finally approved the waterfront master plan. And you'll recall at that time, uh, one of the working principles was the notion of a working waterfront. And because we wanted to continue to provide jobs there like we did when Georgia Pacific was there for decades and decades. Um, It was also envisioned as a place for mixed use, for commercial, for uh, residential, for parks and trails. So it was very much a whole variety of things. It was also recognized that it was uh, a waterfront master plan that was organic. It could be changed over time and responsive to changed conditions. So there's always opportunity to tune it up. But I think fundamentally it remains a, a good document. And it's building out, you know, market-driven to a large degree. There are people that are frustrated because it's not happening fast enough. I'm like, this is a legacy project. It's going to grow and evolve over time. I'm, I'm excited about it. What about uh, just, and we only had about a minute or so left, but, um, you know, the city's taken steps. Climate change has been uh, a major concern of your administration and, and the city council as well. And is that, is that the right, uh, is, that, is that a focus that the city needs to have? Is, is that appropriate for the city? Uh, I'm a believer in the basics of climate science. I think you know, carbon molecules in the, the atmosphere emitted by humans uh, traps heat in the atmosphere and warms the planet. And I think it's the duty of all governments to work on actively converting to renewable energy. And so I, I have made that a prominent issue. Um, there's a lot of evidence to show that it's the affordable way to go in the long haul. So we're doing the hard work of converting our systems. And it's challenging. We need to do a just transition, as they say, to ensure that it doesn't, workers that are engaged in carbon don't get, um, don't lose their jobs. All but, right. Well, Mayor Seth Fleetwood, if people want to find out more about you and your campaign, how can they, how can they do that? You have a website? SethFleetwood.com. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate Thank you. you being on and be your candor and, and good luck. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this. Absolutely. And uh, coming up next, uh, we'll hear from uh, President Joe Biden. He speaks uh, to the nation about Israel. And um, and then at 6 o'clock, following uh, the afternoon news, we'll bring you a forum, the candidates for Whatcom County Sheriff here on KGMI.